1: Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard. right here on pain.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today. I hope you had an opportunity to listen to the interview we conducted with Legal Man of the podcast, The Quash, that ran on the Thomas Paine podcast channel Yesterday, and so we will be reposting that today on the Dustin Gold Standard channel, so you can listen to it in case you missed it over at the Thomas Paine Podcast. Also, our latest interview with Dana, who comes from the pain.tv TV slash Gold community. He's a painiac. He is a gold pillar, and so we appreciate. Dana dropping by. If you have any information, any intelligence, any stories you've been researching over the years that you'd like to talk about, feel free to reach out to me at the email address gold at pain.tv or over at pain.tv slash gold via direct message or over on Twitter at Dustin Gold Show or at Hackable Animal or you can get me on Telegram at Dustin Gold Show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, to everyone who left a five-star review and comment at Apple Podcast, thank you very much. And to everyone who joined pain.tv slash gold, we truly do appreciate it. Alright, today we're gonna get back into what we were covering. Oh, and for those of you who noticed, I put out a dust and gold nugget on Saturday. Uh, as an intro to the show where I was covering David Salinas Flores' document on MKUltra and the Brain Initiative. And what happened there, folks, was there was a power outage in the middle of me finishing the show. And so I was not able to complete it. And then on Sunday, I had to interview Legal Man for two and a half hours. And I had to interview Dana for two and a half hours. And so I didn't get to finish that episode. So I'm going to go back and complete that sometime this week. But today, I wanted to move forward into a video that I wanted to analyze for quite a while on Dr. James Giordano. So we are going to get into that after I touch on some metaverse news and talk to you a bit about the uh, metaverse combined with the smart technology and try to put all this into perspective for you folks as you know we wrapped up on mental illness and psychedelics so i'm going to move away from that for a while but first i just want to address something because i had someone over in the telegram group reach out to me i guess they posted the interview with legal man on uh, Mastodon, I think that's like a social media account. Actually, I know what it is, but anyway, they posted it over there, and um, there was uh, someone saying, "Oh, you know, this is um, information I've heard before." So let me just address that. Some of the stuff I talk about, you've heard before, obviously, if you've listened to Whitney Webb, Jason Burmis, any of the other people that talk about technocracy, you know, Allison McDowell and others. But there's other stuff I bring into this conversation that I know you haven't heard before. So if somebody listened to one episode, I could see where you came from. But I connect the dots between what has happened in the past, what is happening now, and try to look at where we are headed in the future. And when I started with this show a couple of months ago, the idea is I was building off of the Thomas Paine Podcast family. Of listeners and so I decided to put together content that Mike was not covering in detail and then I could begin to educate people on what is happening behind the scenes in what I call reality the reality of the growth of technocratic transhumanism, and it'll put into perspective why a lot of what you see in the clown world WWE wrestling circus is actually happening, because the technocrats are moving forward into a new form of... And so those are the people I started off talking to. Now, I'm going to go in a lot of different directions in this show. But, uh, you know, if you've heard all of this before, then go listen to someone else. That's fine with me. I'm not here to keep you captive. Go where um, you think you're going to get the best information and go listen to the shows that are of interest to you. That's totally fine with me. I'm not sitting here trying to hold you captive. Uh, The other thing someone had said, you know, what I talk about you know is accurate but it leaves people with no hope now i don't know where that comes from because obviously i talk about disengaging from the system as much as possible whatever makes sense in your life aligned with your goals i talk about my personal experiences of withdrawing from the rockefeller medical complex buying from local farms starting to look for land out in the middle of nowhere everyone is going to end up with their own solutions to this problem i don't think we are a communist collective here where we're all going to have the same answers and so it's not that there's no hope in fact i'm going to talk about something before we get into james giordano that was triggered by my conversation with legal man and my subsequent private conversations with him throughout the uh, course of today that does give me a little bit of hope um as far as the bigger picture goes, more than I can do in my personal life to disengage from the system and live one foot out of the matrix. So I'll address that shortly. But let me just say what I think is going on, because other people have texted me uh, stuff about technology, what's happening with technology, why are we seeing customer service eroded, why are brick and mortars closing up shop you know, AT&T, Verizon, banks, and such. So, folks, this is the ushering in of the fourth industrial era. We are in the fourth industrial revolution. And so you're going to see a lot of changes. Now, is the government going to necessarily come out and declare that they're doing this? No, they're doing this through what's called the public-private partnership that Donald Trump spread far and wide and popularized and put into the American lexicon. But the idea of the public-private partnership partnership grows out of think tanks like the World Economic Forum they are one big organizer of the public private partnership they don't hide that and so what you're seeing happening right now i believe is the ushering in of the new form of government technocracy ruled by the scientists and engineers and that is being done outside of the governmental system that you're used to dealing with. They're building the technocracy around us using the so-called private sector partners of which we've talked about in depth here are funded with government money through CIA in Qtel investments, through investments from venture firms partnered with CIA in Qtel, from government contracts, through investments made by government frontmen like Elon Musk and Peter Thiel. so you're seeing the technocracy being built. Uh, through the so-called private sector and you're going to see a lot of changes on the internet this is the new web 3 coming out which is the metaverse that's where it all is going to all of the ceos and and uh, uh, technologists that run these companies talk about this stuff openly in lectures at the World Economic Forum, uh, council meetings, you know, committees. You could watch this stuff, read about this stuff, read about it in the trades, look at the white papers. It's not a secret. It's not a conspiracy theory. They're actually moving the world in this direction. And the Internet is moving to Web three zero. So what happens is you'll see a lot of disinformation. For instance, you know, cryptocurrency is going to protect us from the government, which is totally untrue. Cryptocurrency is basically the currency of the technocracy. In fact, it's more tracked than cash. At the end of the day, you have to move your cryptocurrency into wallets in order to convert it to fiat U.S. dollars or to be able to spend it through a uh, you know crypto debit card and such. And when you sign up for these wallets, you have to give your information to the crypto wallet company in the form of your driver's license, your social security number, and they tell you it's all being reported to the IRS. So there's nothing that is you know, hidden from the government. Now, if I'm going to tell you the truth about that, does that mean I'm not giving you hope? Why? Because I'm telling you you're being scammed. What would you rather sit there and believe in the grift, believe in the scheme, believe in the scam, and that's going to give you hope. So false hope is what some people are looking for. So maybe I should just get on here and shill cryptocurrency. You want me to start a gold pill, a gold pill crypto token, and I can start selling those to people? No, I'm telling you the truth because that's what I have dedicated this show to. I will seek out the truth and tell you what I believe. In some cases, I use resources and others, I give my opinion and I try to be very clear about that when I am giving my opinion versus when i am analyzing information that has been disseminated so that's what i try to do here at this show I try to bring you the truth wherever it may go. So this has nothing to do with losing hope. It's about understanding what's actually happening, where it came from, what's happening today, where we're going in the future, so that you can make decisions in your personal life of how you will avoid this. As I I always say, how much you're willing to put up with. Some people want all the smart products, so they will install Ring video cameras all around their house. They they will put smart technology in their house. They want the Alexa so they can tell it when to turn on their music or when to uh, tell them that their baby is snoring or whatever it may be. And so some people say, listen, I don't want to be part of this prison planet matrix, but I'm willing to put all the smart products in my house. At the end of the day, that's your prerogative. You have to make these decisions for yourself on how much you want to put up with as long as you're aware of the consequences which is what my job is is to present you with the facts and the truth then you can make these decisions you can say okay the uh Pluses, you know, the positives of installing ring cameras all around my house far outweigh the negatives for me personally. I want a camera in my driveway that I can look at from my smartphone, you know, 10 miles away to make sure my kids got home from school okay or to make sure my dog didn't get out from the fenced-in yard, whatever it may be. Those are your personal choices. We're not all going to agree on the same solutions. And that's totally fine. That's how it's supposed to be. Otherwise, we have a set of beliefs, and then we want to be dictators. We want to rule over others and make them all conform to our set of beliefs. And if that's what you want to do, then maybe run for president of your homeowners association or mayor in your town and force people to conform to your set of standards, your set of beliefs. Well, that's not how I am. So when I give out solutions, or Legal Man gives out solutions, or Mike Moore gives out solutions, or Maria Albanese gives out solutions, we are giving out solutions that we are using in our personal lives, ideas that we may have had. You have ideas. Come and present them on the show. If you have ideas about how to give people hope that is not false hope, Email me gold at pain.tv. I've said a hundred times I want people on the show. Dana reached out to me through gold, um, through pain.tv slash gold. He shared all kinds of information with me. I said, Dana, come on the show. And you know what he did? He called me and he came on the show. And I thought it was fantastic. We talked to a real world outlaw, someone who's lived being woke in this system, woke to the matrix for the last 50 years, and they've survived and they've thrived in the system, living one foot out, calling themselves an outlaw. And so if you have ideas, you have solutions, you want to share your ideas on how to give people hope, but not false hope, then come on this show. I welcome you with open arms. You are part of this community. So ladies and gentlemen, what I'm going to do before we get into James Giordano, because this is some heavy stuff, we're working our way back into technology, into transhumanism. I want to get a little deeper into the discussion we had with Legal Man, where we talked about jury nullification. And this is something that Legal Man has spent god i don't know 20 episodes over at his podcast the quash on where he's talked in depth about Lysander spooner who's written about this stuff in his book trial by jury And so last night, I just got thinking about this, about my old days being involved with grassroots organizing in the state of Connecticut. And so I went online and I was looking for old articles where I was featured in them because I wanted to share some of these with you, not to toot my own horn, but to show you what we were doing uh, what is it, almost 15 years ago on a grassroots level in real life, boots on the ground before social media was a main thing where we were literally door knocking. And I want to show you what we worked on and just give you an idea that I came up with and I started talking with legal man Maria Albanese and some others about sort of a, uh, a last shot at trying to fight back against the man on a larger scale than just fleeing to our, you know, two, three, four, ten acres out in West Virginia, or just withdrawing from the Rockefeller Medical Complex. So I want to share that with you because maybe this will give people a little bit of hope. And real hope is going to involve real work. There are no easy solutions to fighting against the state or with to withdraw or to withdrawing from the system. Nothing is easy at the end of the day, folks. This involves hard work. As they say, free. Freedom is not free. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold.
2: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on
1: Pain.tv. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, I've mentioned this a few times throughout the podcast on various episodes, but I've never really told the whole story. I'm not going to get into the entire story because it would take multiple episodes to do this and i don't have all the articles a lot of this stuff has disappeared from the internet over the years as certain newspapers were consolidated under other newspapers but basically what happened was in 2007 and and i'm sharing this story with you because it was a major part of my life and helped shape who i am today not that i'm tooting my own horn it's not like i made millions of dollars doing this but in 2007, I had a marketing company in Connecticut, small little company. Um, it was me. I used a couple of consultants, and anyway, I'm sitting in my office, and I hear an old guy named Ted Paczynski on the radio. The late Ted Pachinski, good friend of mine, and um, he was just barking away on conservative talk radio. It was 960 Weli Super Talk. Uh, with Jerry Christopher, uh, who I just checked in with. I think he just celebrated his 53 year, uh, 53rd year in radio. He had a really deep voice. This is Jerry Christopher with Super Talk 960 W E L I. And so Ted starts talking about this 20 year entrenched mayor, John DeStefano in the city of New Haven. And I was not really ever into politics, folks. I was 26 at the time. And Ted starts talking about how the mayor of New Haven was going to be issuing illegal aliens ID cards to the city of New Haven. And he gets into this whole spiel. And so the next thing you know, I don't know what it was. I uh, jumped in my car. I went down to the VFW and I went to this meeting and there was probably 125 people there. And I listened to a number of speakers. This is back in the days when people got together in groups, you know, in a local area. So I listened to different speakers talking about this. And I said, how could this be happening? What is this all about? And just like with this show, for some reason, I just ran with it. And I end up over at Ted Pachinsky's house, and I'm sitting there with a group of, you know, blue collar workers, and we're just talking about this. And over a period of a couple weeks, all of a sudden, my marketing office transformed into this political headquarters. And the next thing you know, we're fighting the mayor. And what ended up happening was over a two-year period, we had gotten involved with politics, we had formed an actual organization, we had signed up 1,300 people uh, in the state of Connecticut that were involved, we went and gave lectures all over the place, we sparked investigations by the uh, state legislature, we met with the governor. We were doing everything. We were involved with political campaigns, state legislative races, uh, caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. I was on the radio all the time there, uh, appearing on local news. We were battling the mayor constantly we were a thorn in his side so we had formed a group there was four of us the late veronica Cavella, wonderful woman has since passed away the late ted pacinski wonderful man has since passed away and a gentleman named alan felder and alan felder was a plumber at yale university and ted had been an electrician at Yale University. And so they knew each other through the union. Ted was actually friends with Alan's father. So I was introduced to very entrenched people in and around the city of New Haven, political families, dynasties. I mean, it was really amazing. And we were doing a mixture of sort of undercover investigations, journalism, journalism, Advocacy, education, politics, it was pretty much everything. These were before the days of Project Veritas. And so I decided as I was just talking to legal man uh, yesterday about this idea of jury nullification. And I was asking him the question, like, how would we set this up? Would you have to pick a small city? How would you go out, boots on the ground, and organize something like this? So after I got off the phone with him yesterday, I started doing some research. And I was saying, how would this be done? How could this be something that's viable? How could we test this out? Because to me, to be able to challenge the state, to show that you could collapse the legal system that would be fascinating to document now my theory behind this is once the social score system that they use in China and that's coming here, all part of the prison planet technology, once that is in place, okay, once you can be punished by having your central bank digital currency cut off or your ability to drive your car outside of two city blocks or or their ability to turn your heat off you know any of these punishments they could do through an internet of all things system then it's sort of game over excuse me i was getting a sip of tea folks my throat has been bothering me so i was starting to think to myself did the elites okay in the elites plans you know, their five-year plan, their 10-year plan, their 15-year plan. As we know, coming out of the United Nations, they have Agenda 2030, they have Agenda 2050, and they have uh, plans coming out of World Economic Forum. That's what Fourth Industrial Revolution, Klaus Schwab's 2016 book is. That's a plan. They publish their plans. Okay, we, we might not know all the secret plans, but we know the plans that they publish. And as I asked Magdalene Rose on the interview uh, last week what the conservatives had for a plan did any of them have a plan of what America's supposed to look like in five years 10 years 20 years she said there's no plan right but what I've asked myself last night was in the elites plans are they going to at some point completely have to let's say overhaul the illusion of this legal system or in the fourth industrial revolution does that legal system our court system stay in place right is the illusion that it works and that it serves justice do they just leave that in place so now let's say you were able to organize in a city. So I'm just going to pick New Haven, Connecticut, for instance. I don't live in Connecticut anymore, but I'm familiar with the ground game there. Um, I've been in a lot of places around the country, but I know New Haven politics. Even though it's been a long time since I've been there, I, I know a lot of people that are still active. It's still a very similar ground game. So you take a city like New Haven with 150,000 people. And within that city, there is a federal Uh, district court which legal man said you would need to have because if you were going to do an educational campaign to wake people up to this idea of jury nullification you would want to make sure that your campaign is educating the same pool of people who would be called into jury duty in state cases as well as in the federal cases so If all of a sudden, uh, let's say, whatever the crime was that uh, Mr. X committed, and that was on state charges, he said, let's say now they go trump up federal charges against that person to pull them into the federal system, you still want that jury pool to be the same in the federal system. So if you're going to go out and try to educate 150,000 people, so let's say out of 150,000 people, let's just say there's hundred thousand people that are eligible to serve on a jury let's just use that number nice easy number as legal man says you would only need five to ten percent of the people out of the 100,000 to be aware of jury nullification and on board with this idea, okay? And for those of you who didn't listen to the show, I suggest you do so you know what I'm talking about. And then if you're more interested, go over to Legal Man's The Quash and look up his podcast and look for the ones on jury nullification on Lysander Spooner, and that will really get you up to speed on this concept. Okay. So let's say you need five to 10% of the hundred thousand. So that's only five to 10,000 people that you would need to get on board with this idea to be educated enough. So if they get called into jury duty, right? Now, now I know the numbers are going to be different than this because it, there, there's New Haven County. You're going to have to educate more people, but I'm just using this so we can uh, try to war game this in simple terms. So you end up with 100,000 people. You have to educate 5 to 10%. That's 5 to 10,000 people on this idea. Now, the jury pools have been poisoned because there's 5 to 10,000 people that now, if they end up on a jury, when the decision comes back they're just saying no i find this person not guilty and they can do that not because they don't necessarily find him guilty of the crime that he is being charged with but because they don't agree with the law so as legal man says this could be done for traffic court this could be done for drug violations whatever it is folks i'm not talking about this from a standpoint of ethics i'm talking about this from a standpoint of breaking the system so as legal man points out The jury nullification idea, this is the only check that the people actually have against the state. So if the state government, if the federal government, whatever, passes a law that we don't agree with, but our representative went there and passed the law, when someone is actually charged with violating that law, And now they say, I want a trial. So they force a trial. If there is one juror out of, say, the 12 jurors there who is aware of jury nullification, and he says, no, I find this person not guilty, then boom, this is how you start to collapse the state because that is the check from the people on the government against their own laws. So you would have to go in and actually organize this i'm really going to focus on this i'm going to do a series i was talking to legal man about coming back on to do a series where I wear the hat of a community organizer, someone with a marketing background, and I'm going to pepper him with a lot of questions and try to work through this and figure out how we would realistically pull something like this off instead of just talking about it. Because part of hope, folks, is not just talking about these ideas, it's actually making them happen. So he really piqued my interest with this and I'm kind of motivated on this idea. When I get back, let me explain to you a little bit of how we'd go on the ground and actually pull something like this off. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back to war game with the uh, to war game this with you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dustin Gold. This is the Dust Gold Standard, and you are listening to paintv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to paint.tv slash gold. All right, folks, so here's the thing. If I don't sound like I'm being completely clear on this, I've been a little congested the last uh, 24 hours. I don't do COVID tests, so it could be COVID, folks. Now, I I get this at the beginning of... uh, uh the winter you know going into the fall moving towards the winter every year so i'm sure that's what it is but anyway if i'm not being completely clear just stick with me because we're going to try to think tank this and war game this over several uh episodes i think i might actually start running you know a separate little mini series on this where maybe i spend the half hour every couple days war gaming this but basically what would have to happen And again, this is a realistic solution. It's something realistic that could be done. I know it's a lot of work, but it's realistic, so it intrigues me. But basically what would happen is that you would have to get on the ground, and you would um, surprise the living crap out of them because they're not used to Uh, A ground game. Everybody now thinks they could just throw out a meme, throw out a GIF on social media, and they're going to change the world. But the idea behind this would be to educate a large group of people to basically poison the jury pools. So there's basically these sleeper cells out there, these sort of sleeper jurors sitting there ready to pounce uh, at any chance they get to get on a jury and then end up finding someone not guilty. And this will spoil the system. And once you have, let's say 10% and, and, um, The people out there believe in this. Once you have 10% of the population within that sort of federal district court range and area, that population trained, then everyone who gets arrested will start demanding a jury trial. That alone will collapse the system by the weight of trials sitting on the docket, folks. So this is a way to actually fight the state. Now, you'd say to yourself, how would we go out? And I'm just wearing a community organizer hat right now, just starting to think about this stuff. I'm just fleshing this out, folks. How would you go out and actually organize people? Well, let me share this article with you. Again, this is not to toot my own horn. This is just to show you something I've been involved with in the past, and uh, it's real world. So, when we were fighting the city in New Haven, When they were going to issue the first in the nation uh, ID card for illegal aliens. And later we uncovered, it came true, that the city of New Haven, the mayor, was involved with this banking scandal. And they wanted to get IDs to the illegal aliens to get around the Patriot Act so that the illegal aliens could take their cash, because back then they were all being paid under the table cash, and put it into the mayor's bank. Uh, they did not know it was the mayor's bank, but that was the idea behind this. And they were highly successful. The mayor ended up winning in the end, years after I got out of Connecticut. But one of the big campaigns we were running, as I mentioned, Ted Pachinsky and Alan Felder, two of my co-founders, were deeply rooted in Yale University's union with the trade workers who basically kept Yale University running. They own a lot of real estate. I think they're the largest real estate owner in the city of New Haven, probably in the state of Connecticut now. And so they had a whole crew of skilled uh, tradesmen and everything. And so they said, wait a second what if we go and organize the union at yale because alan felder who was active in the union at that time he was a plumber at yale he had started to figure out that yale was bringing in in cooperation with the union illegal aliens to do work on buildings at night when the union guys were off the clock. And so he figured out they were using illegal aliens for plumbing work, electrical work, uh, all types of trade stuff on the buildings that Yale uh, were in the process of uh, building. So he said we could wake up the union members and start to turn the union members against the union, which was deep in the pocket of the mayor of new haven so we put together a ground game and we started with this petition and we had an inside lead on this because Allen was active in the union and he was vocal and he was not afraid to lock horns with leadership So he would go to the union meetings and start organizing. And then before you know, we had a team at the time of about 15 people on the ground. And we were moving in and out of Yale University, meeting with janitors, meeting with, uh, you know, cleaning ladies, meeting with the uh, tradesmen. I'm telling you, in the back hallways of the mess halls, uh, everything else, it was crazy. I just started thinking about it last night. I'm like, wow, remember those days? So here was an article that actually came out of uh, YaleDailyNews.com, and I just want to read this because... It's going to help me jog my memories as we start to put this idea together. And this says here, Union Debate Centers on Immigrants' Rights. And this was written by Madeline Johnson and Leah Yu. Leah Yu probably wrote 15 articles at that time on us. And by this time, we were all well-known. We were a thorn in the mayor's side for over a year. We popped up everywhere the mayor turned. We were there to break his balls. And so this is how we did this ground game. And I'll tell you how it relates to this jury nullification in a moment. It says, New Haven Solidarity Week kicked off Monday amid growing disagreement between Yale's Local 35 Union and an anti-illegal aliens group which has now brought Yale students and university management into the fray. Thirteen Yale student groups released a statement yesterday condemning a community watchdog project that was our organization, Community Watchdog Project, sponsored petition that calls for the withholding of union dues from Local 35's pro-immigrant rights national affiliate Unite Here. And, And then remember, this is back 15 years ago, so it was not about immigrant rights had to do with illegal aliens it goes on to say since the petition began circulating 12 days ago local 35 leadership and cwp organizers that was us community watchdog project cwp organizers have engaged in a tense back and forth that has thus far failed to produce any resolution between the two sides CWP members said they collected almost 300 signatures on the petition. But Local 35 President Bob Proto said most of the members who signed the petition last week have asked to have their names removed. Only one union member has asked to be removed from the petition, CWP organizers said. Now, we had created this huge campaign, a big propaganda campaign against the President Bob Proto. Uh, All kinds of uh, graphics and flaws flyers we used to make flyers and print them making him look like a mob boss i mean they were accurate there was nothing we were we were saying that was not true but um we actually ran some investigations and followed him around town and took pictures of him, but we, uh, we had built this huge propaganda campaign against these guys and tied him into the mayor into all sorts of politics that were going on, uh, what Unite here, the uh, sort of mothership of the local Yale Union was doing on the national level, spending the union dues on all types of stuff that the union members were not even aware of, nor did they agree with, so this was a well-thought out campaign. And then by this time in my life, I had already read about Saul Linsky and I had read Rules for Radicals. So I utilized a lot of the techniques that I had learned in that book. Of course, we were standing back then on the conservative side of the aisle uh, trying to shut down these basically anti- Uh, worker pro-illegal alien programs that the politicians in the state of Connecticut were running. It goes on to say, regardless of the exact numbers, Yale student groups who signed an opinion by Robert Sanchez, 08 in today's news, quote, anti-immigrant propaganda deceives Yale workers, end quote, said they object to what they call the petition's anti-undocumented immigration mentality quote in trying to turn yale workers against immigrant residents of new haven again this was not immigrant this was illegal alien new haven did not hide it at all it goes on to say reactionary and racist groups that's obviously what they would call us are seeking to divide communities that when they organize and unite around common issues have the ability to affect real change in this city and in this country end quote the statement reads now remember we were fighting for workers and we were trying to protect workers, just like right now we should be organizing against robots and artificial intelligence. Uh, it goes on to say, in response to criticism from Local 35 leaders, CWP organizer Alan Felder, okay, he was one of our co founders, fantastic gentleman, said CWP is not forcing workers to revoke their union dues, but rather is seeking to allow workers to bargain with union leaders. Now, they they called us racist and everything of course Alan Felder was a black gentleman <laughs> they never mentioned that folks and uh, Ted Pachinsky and Veronica Cavella were old senior citizens they never mentioned that as well in fact uh, the New Haven Register had a writer named Mario Larry who used to cover us all the time and we were being labeled as racist meantime she writes a front page article at one point that says Dustin Gold is leading Alan Felder around by chains uh, trying to paint us as racist as if i was uh, alan felder's boss of course he was older than me stronger than me bigger than me and could have kicked my ass if he wanted to of course he was a co-founder of our organization so i found it to be quite hilarious that they were the ones being the racist it goes on to say last week Yale School of Medicine Facilities Senior Supervisor Team Leader Gary Mandelberg directly ordered Felder to cease the petitioning in such a way that Felder, uh, Felder felt, quote, persecuted, end quote, for his, quote, personal and political views, end quote, Felder said. Quote, I am dumbfounded to think that they are employing such strong-arm tactics, end quote, CWP spokeswoman Veronica Cavella said. Quote, they want this to go away. We're not going away. We are going to tell this membership about where their money is going to illegal aliens who could very well take their jobs one day, end quote. Mandelberg did not return calls from com- uh, for comment on Tuesday. In the spirit of New Haven Solidarity Week, they used to run these things all the time to push all the different factions of minorities into supporting... Uh, They're illegal aliens. That's what basically happens. So in the spirit of New Haven Solidarity Week, student coordinators said they will make a concerted effort to reach out to Local 35's dining hall workers and other service personnel this week, in addition to encouraging Yale faculty and students to register for Elm City resident ID cards. So they would use the Yale students to try to uh, out-organize us. All right. Two months ago, Proto, he's the head of the union, signed and, quote, immigrants rights or human rights, end quote. Wow. Manifesto expressing support for the ID card program, which grants uh, municipal privileges to all New Haven residents, regardless of age or citizens, uh, citizenship status. That I just said, wow, because. I remember that when that happened, and we were able to combat that with better marketing, with better uh, propaganda. Folks, when I get back from the break, more on this. This is really important stuff. I mean, it's really helping me try to shape up this idea I have in my head. I'm sort of sharing this stuff with you in real time while it's fresh in my head after this discussion with Legal Man. We'll be right back, folks, on Organizing America Against the State. I am Dustin Goldberg with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold.
2: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. You're also listening to me in real time Try to shape some ideas, folks. We talk about living one foot outside the matrix. And, you know, getting back to grassroots local organizing... May not be such a bad thing. Could we fight the technocracy and the transhumanists? I don't know about that, folks. I mean, there's so much government money floating around there. But could we be a thorn in the side of the system, the current legal system that they use to control us? Could we create a problem for them? I think so, folks. I think we could create a large problem for them. And once I finish reading this to you, I just want to show you this because This illustrates how real-life grassroots organizing works, and then I'm going to tell you why it ties into this idea and what we would actually do and who we'd have to target. So in this particular campaign, we were focused on these union workers because their jobs were – Um, being threatened by the illegal aliens in the city of New Haven that the city was basically trying to legalize de facto using this Elm City, which is what New Haven's nickname was, the Elm City ID card. And so we needed to warn the union workers those would be our allies in this battle. And plus, the union, as I said, was in the pocket of the mayor for many years. So to go after one of the mayor's you know, strongholds was a uh, very strategic move that we had wargamed. All right, so you have this guy, Bob Proto, who's the head of the union, right? And it goes on to say here, But Local 35 does not have an official stance on immigration. Now, that was all a lie anyway because they had a stance. They were supporting this ID card for the illegal aliens. We had not questioned immigration. They muddied the waters with their propaganda by bringing immigration into it, legal immigration which obviously we, we weren't even fighting that issue at all. We never talked about legal immigration. We were talking about legalized slavery by using illegal aliens and paying them under the table less than what someone who was an American would have to make because of minimum wage laws. So if you were going to have minimum wage laws saying you had to pay someone $10 an hour, but then you brought in illegal aliens who you'd pay $5 an hour under the table to, effectively that was a um, sort of loopholed slavery is the way we used to talk about it. So it says, but local thirty-five does not have an official stance on immigration, a fact that leaders publicly clarified to all union members last week. Soon after the petition began circulating, Proto said, quote, dozens and dozens, end quote, of signatories of our petition repudiated the petition and told him they would ask to have their names removed. Now, at that time we had a plant inside this union meeting tape recording the whole thing and that actually never happened that became a battle later on and i had access to this 960 w eli super talk morning show i used to go on every wednesday and they would do an episode called watchdog wednesdays and that ended up growing into a couple hours almost every other day and jerry christopher the host uh opened the doors to us and i would come on He used to call me uh, Digger Gold because I would dig so much dirt. And so we would go on there and play undercover tapes, uh, similar to Project Veritas. And this was not the only thing we were doing. We always had about 20 different projects we were working on at the same time, but all related to trying to organize Americans against the politicians. So it goes on to say, quote, "They just talked among them, uh, they just talked amongst themselves and realized that our local union didn't have an official stance, end quote, Proto said. quote, "They were being lied to by this group." told that their jobs were going to be lost or taken over by illegal immigrants, and they used that fear and lied to our workers, end quote. CWP organizers said only one union member has requested to be removed from the petition and they will continue soliciting signatures until they have 55% of the membership, approximately 660 signatures. That's what we needed to basically overthrow the union. Says, quote, we'd like to get another 30% done and it seems that the members are still with us. End quote. CWP chief strategist Dustin Gold said. That would be me. There's not another dust and gold. Quote, Alan Felder put something out there to let them know that. We're not telling you not to pay your dues. It just give you the power to negotiate, end quote. Proto said the one-person count is completely off base. Quote, that's a lie, along with the lies about telling people they were going to lose their jobs. If they even took the time to read our contract, they would understand that we have job guarantees and staffing levels. It's just a horrible, horrible lie, end quote. And so we had this guy on the run, folks. We had this guy on the run. And so... The article goes on to talk about, uh, you know, CWP organizers Felder, Cavella, Gold, and Pachinsky were president yesterday. Solidarity Week kickoff and even got an ironic shout out from John Lugo, the president of the immigrants rights group Unidad Latina and Accion. After approaching Lugo and offering his card, Pachinski said he wanted to set up dialogue with the ULA to discuss how immigration is affecting the nation. And so this goes on uh, and talks all about what we were doing here. Uh, let me just give you a little more information because I want you to understand how extensive uh, this stuff is, but it can be done, folks. It goes on to say, quote, Yale management, I imagine, took some steps, but I'm not sure which steps they took, end quote, Proto said. Quote, I would think that someone without a Yale ID does not belong in the workplace, end quote. And they're talking about how we snuck in and got all around Yale University. CWP chief strategist Dustin Gold said CWP is looking to introduce a similar petition among Yale's local 34 members, as well as SEIU 1199 union members in the near future local 34 includes yale's clerical and technical workers while seiu 1199 since 1997 has sought to unionize workers at yale new haven hospital like proto local 34 president laura smith has publicly supported immigrant rights Of course, they say they don't have a stance on that, right? Quote, this program provides a wonderful opportunity for all of us who live and work in New Haven, blah, blah, blah. And they're talking about the illegal alien ID card. But I'm showing you here, how we were a thorn in the side to the power structure. And so we organized all these union workers and for what we were trying to accomplish at that time, it was highly successful. Now, it involves some brain power. It involves some strategy. We war game the crap out of this. We had a lot of very smart people within our network and remember folks this was back before people were really using facebook uh, using twitter i don't even know if some of that stuff existed then but what we would do is we use the power of radio a lot of people listen to that uh, conservative morning show because it was the largest show in connecticut and that station had a very big reach and so i would go on there or one of my other co-founders would go on there and we would talk to jerry and we would announce Announce a particular meeting going on we used to rent vfws and american legions and then all of a sudden 100 200 300 people would show up at some of these meetings and before you know we had someone who was an actuary involved that was part of our steering committee who would help crunch numbers for us we had people with graphic design backgrounds marketing backgrounds people would show up in my office and we would be printing you know, flyers and folding them. We used to do flyer drops in the black community. We would go to churches on Sundays and we would flyer drop uh, the black community with literature on Frederick Douglass and we would go to the Catholic churches and flyer drop. We would go all over the place. And it was this big ground game. So what I'm thinking about, folks, with this whole thing is that the idea that legal man has um this concept coming from Lysander Spooner is a hundred percent on point it's about bringing it into practice to actually organizing this to actually making this happen so you'd have to say to yourself first off who are your natural allies in this game who would be your version of of what was ours in the campaign I just read you about, those union workers whose jobs were being threatened by illegal alien slave labor. Well, in this particular case, your natural allies could come from several different places. And so the literature you put together, the marketing you put together, let's just be honest, the propaganda that you would put together would be designed and targeted to different audiences so you would think to yourself well we could take people that identify as conservative we can get people who identify as libertarian we could get people who identify as liberal who also hate the system you could literally target almost every cross section except Maybe, I don't know, the police (laughs) and government workers uh, probably would not be people you could target. But a big target here, folks, I hate to say this, would be criminals, would be people in the inner city. Uh, In this particular case, you would be targeting the immigrant community, the illegal alien community, gangbanger community. There are a lot of people that you could target. You could utilize the government's propaganda and social engineering against them by going after people who are potheads, let's face it, people that use psychedelics, everything we've been talking about, people who want drugs to be legalized. You could actually utilize them as foot soldiers in this. You could get the criminals uh, on board with this because all they have to do is get through voir dire and get onto to the jury and then basically just come out and say, not guilty. They just do it based on what legal man talked about. You just don't agree with the law and therefore you're gonna go against it. I have to ask legal man, do you have to give a reason for that? No, in the back room you just say, no, not guilty. And you would seriously create a lot of problems. So this is something I am going to be thinking about. This is something I want to speak to Legal Man about over a couple of episodes, maybe a special series, where I walk him through my concepts coming from the side of a community organizer, a marketer, uh, someone who could create pretty damn good uh, propaganda, someone who is not afraid to go into cities and um, network with people and start to figure out if this is something that could be done or is it just something people want to talk about do people want hope this is hope folks this is something that could be a thorn in their side again do i believe that we are going to collapse technocratic transhumanism no but do i think we're in the middle of this bridge we've talked about it here we are in the fourth industrial revolution we are moving from one social system (coughs) excuse me folks from one social system to another social system from the third industrial era to the fourth industrial era. But like I said earlier, if the elites didn't think about what happens to this court system, what happens to this system before they totally implement some AI judge and you're going to basically just go into the VR goggle metaverse and fight your case in front of an artificial intelligence judge well there's a bridge here so how do they end up coming out and saying right now well the legal system is failing we're going to change over to this other system they may not have thought about this so if you took this to a city let's say new haven of 150,000 people a hundred thousand may be eligible to become uh jurors and then you were able to wake up, educate 5 to 10%, 5 to 10,000 people. The numbers are going to be higher than this, but I'm using it as an example. Then you may be able to create a major problem for the state, a major problem for the system. At the same time, you can withdraw from the Rockefeller Medical Complex. You can figure out how to buy your piece of land and start growing vegetables and canning. You could be buying uh, stuff from the farms. You could be using cash instead of a debit card or credit card. You could remove smart tech from your house. You could do all these things personally to protect and insulate yourself. But this is a project that I think... It would start to be able to put people in a position where, put your money where your mouth is, put your energy where your mouth is. Let's walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Could we organize something like this? Maybe shoot it as a miniseries, as a documentary, battling the state, taking on the state, figuring out this loophole that legal man has brought to the forefront over the last two years but instead of just talking about it in technical terms could we actually put something like that into practice i don't know folks but i'm definitely interested in going down that road and seeing if it's something you'd be interested in doing ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold this is the dustin gold standard when i get back dr james giordano this is pain.tv slash gold
2: you're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on TV.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard and you are are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to a couple things that are going on right now that will lead us into Dr. James Giordano and his speech on the Brain is the battlefield of the future. Now, some people may have heard that speech, and that is fine. I'm going to analyze it, obviously, in different ways than other people have, and we'll be able to tie it into uh, the context of everything else that we've investigated here at the Dust and Gold Standard. So uh, bear with me, because we're not going to start on that right away. First, I want to show you. Um, Something that popped up the other day. Somebody sent this to me. Not someone who listens to the show. It was a family member who knows a little bit about what I talk about in my interests. And so they said, hey, the metaverse is failing. So they send me this article. I don't know if it's this exact one. But this is over at finance.yahoo.com. And this is from the other day. It says, Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse is getting slammed in internal documents, quote, an empty world is a sad world, end quote. Let me just read you a little bit. I'm not going to go into depth on this. I just need to set this up for you so I can can explain it. It says, Facebook co-founder Mark Zuckerberg announced about a year ago that he was betting his company's future on the metaverse. So far, it's looking like a bad bet. Zuckerberg renamed the company he leads Meta to emphasize the transformation, but the main metaverse that the social media giant is offering to consumers, Horizon Worlds, has fallen short of expectations. Internal documents show the company is grappling with glitchy technology and bored users in its largely unrealized virtual world, according to the Wall Street Journal, with the following among the key findings. Uh, One, Horizon's user base has steadily declined since spring. Most users don't return after the first month. Two, Meta wants users to create their own worlds using Horizon's tools. Less than 1% are actually doing that. Number three, most of the worlds built by creators are never visited. Under 10% are visited by at least 50 people. Quote, an empty world is a sad world. Quote, noted one internal document. Number four, a tip feature to reward creators for their efforts has generated payouts of under $500 globally. Cumulatively, Horizons Worlds have brought in only about $10,000 in in world payments. Was a six. Retention rates for the Quest virtual reality headsets sold by Meta to access Horizons have dropped in each of the past three years. And number seven, Meta's goal of reaching 500,000 monthly active users by year's end looks unlikely. The company recently changed the goal to 280,000 from less than 200,000 now. Meta has put Horizons on a quote quality lockdown. End quote. No launches of new feature to address bugs and complaints. All right. So they sent this to me and they said, look, the metaverse is failing and it's good. I'm glad people are paying attention to this. But what I want to say here, the point I want to make is that Mark Zuckerberg, and Facebook and Meta are not the Metaverse. Horizon Worlds is not the Metaverse. The Metaverse itself is what is going to be Web 3, which is the uh, movement from Web 2 over to Web 3, and eventually everything will be accessed through what will be this Mega Metaverse. Everything will be tied together. So my guess is that this uh, Metaverse talk and the rebranding of Facebook to Meta is A year ago was to basically run cover for what is going to be the metaverse. Remember, we looked at some stuff from the World Economic Forum where they had a council of CEOs talking about the governance of the future metaverse. We saw another panel discussion where they were talking about the industrial metaverse, basically the digital twinning of everything in the industrial sort of corporate world. Okay. So the metaverse and Web3 are actively moving forward. You see every major company in their mission statements now saying they are on board with the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the technologies coming out of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, as well as ESGs and everything else. Okay, they're all signed up with World Economic Forum and the Fourth Industrial Revolution. So the metaverse is coming, and I think this is designed to run, cover, and create a distraction for sort of the normies okay the people that aren't paying attention to this don't know what's really happening because on the other side of the coin folks and let me show you this an article pops out right around the same time within a day and this is uh reported all over the place but this is at macrumors.com macrumors.com like macintosh and this here says, "Apple glasses." Apple is rumored. Uh, Apple is rumored to have a secret team of hundreds of employees working on virtual and augmented reality projects. And it goes on to say, Apple has been experimenting with virtual reality and augmented reality technologies for almost 20 years based on patent filings i did look at some of the patents so that's that's actually accurate but with virtual and augmented reality exploding in popularity with the launch of our apple's dabbling is growing more serious and is expected to lead to an ARVR product in 2023 and this is being widely reported there is a research unit within apple with hundreds of employees working on augmented reality and virtual reality and exploring ways the emerging technologies could be used in future apple products augmented reality virtual reality hiring has ramped up over the last several years and apple has acquired multiple ar vr companies as it furthers its work into the ARVR space okay now i'm just showing you this because as it's being talked about that Facebook is failing at the metaverse. Apple is about to launch this metaverse product on top of it we have already reviewed here the use of ar vr access to the metaverse inside of the veterans administration inside of government agencies and again out of the world economic forum and companies within the corporate structure within the quote-unquote private sector using ar vr and metaverse technologies to supposedly train humans on how to operate machinery in the real world so we're seeing this happening okay so this metaverse is not dead. I believe the Facebook side of the metaverse runs cover for what is actually happening behind the scenes. And, and this will all tie back into what we're going to get into here with Dr. James Giordano, which is the expansion of this brain battlefield, which ties into what we just got done with mental illness, psychedelics, VR headsets, and all the other stuff we reviewed over the last 15 episodes. Apple is developing at least two AR products that include an augmented reality headset to be released in 2023. Followed by a sleeker pair, a pair of augmented reality glasses coming at a later date. The two projects have caused some confusion over what's coming when. But it's now clear that an AR VR or mixed reality that's called XR headset will be released, followed by augmented reality glasses. Rumors initially suggested that Apple's AR VR headset would come out at some time in 2022, perhaps at WWDC in June, but. There were, uh, but there continue to be development issues that Apple needs to overcome. At this point, it's looking like we won't see the AR VR headset until 2023. Reliable sources like Apple analyst Ming-Chi Koo and Bloomberg's Mark Gurman have indicated that the headset will likely see a 2023 launch with the glasses to follow in 2024 or 2025 the ar vr headset that apple has in the works will be standalone device with powerful a series processors that will put performance on par with apple's Macs. now listen to this because I want to tell you a little bit about what's supposedly going to be inside this. It will have two chips inside that will allow it to perform complex tasks and handle the virtual reality capabilities. Plus, it will be able to operate independently of an iPhone or Mac. See, this is an access point into what will be the overall uh, metaverse, folks. Design-wise, the headset will look similar to other headsets on the market, like the Facebook Oculus Quest, but it will feature a sleeker design and a light Build to ensure comfort. Two high-resolution micro OLED displays with up to 3,000 pixels per inch will provide an immersive viewing experience, and there may also be an extra display at the side for peripheral vision. Now, this is important, and I do have to get through this for you. It's important because this will be the consumer version, okay, of what the access point. the metaverse is going to be and you're going to hear Dr. James Giordano talk about N-Cubed I brought that up to you before that's DARPA's version of the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet which will be able to read your brain now don't think for two seconds that the rollout the adoption of this technology is not coming through Facebook coming through Apple uh, so that people buy it they put it on and the next thing you know there'll be this transcranial electronic stimulation helmet piece of the technology it goes on to say apple is building more than a dozen cameras into the headset to track hand movements and gestures which will be one method of control along with eye tracking apple may also include worn input devices one of which may resemble a thimble worn on the finger Multiple 3D sensing modules will be included for detecting hand gestures and objects that are around the wearer, and it will support voice control, skin detection, spatial detection, and expression detection. Along with an immersive video experience, the headset will also use spatial audio for immersive audio. Now, remember, folks, remember As we're getting into this, uh, one of the things I was reading about was that this eye tracking will also be coupled with retina scanning so this way it's creating a profile on you you could take off the headset and hand it to a friend of yours and it will create another digital profile on that wearer all via the retinal scanning which we see through facial recognition eye scanning thumbprints and everything else apple has been collecting this information on us for years folks this is very Important that I get through this because I'm going to show you how this ties into what we were just talking about in the last few episodes with mental illness, with the use of psychedelics coming. And this stuff will lead us into something that Yuval Noah Harari has said, okay? And then I'm going to bring this back into context with something I reported to you in the past as this all connects into what James Giordano is going to talk to you folks. It's not just about one piece of information that I give you here. It's about how we connect the dots to show you what they're planning for the future, folks. I pride myself on my ability to do that and to share that information with you. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold standard and you you are listening to Pain.tv slash Gold.
2: You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash Gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, I'm not going to go through this entire article because uh, I may come back to this. I think it's highly important, but I want to connect these dots for you. So I will just say here. That what we're looking at, uh, folks, as far as this headset goes, uh, which which seems to be the most advanced that will come out to date, but it says, Apple is designing an app store for the headset, and content will focus on gaming, streaming, video, and video conferencing. It will run, quote, R-O-S, and quote, a new operating system designed specifically for the headset. So once they introduce the, heads, uh, the app store, that will launch an entire movement of people designing programs, software, uh, their own mini metaverses, their own worlds, uh, to access various points of the metaverse. That's the entire point of this. So just like the App Store launched creators to develop millions upon millions of apps, you will have millions upon millions of worlds. Okay, It says, and, and they will all be connected. That is what the metaverse, that is what Web3 is going to be. It says, as the AR-VR headset is entirely new product category, adopting cutting-edge technology, it's not going to be cheap. Rumors suggest it would be priced over $2,000. But as you know that doesn't matter folks that doesn't matter dana brought up in the interview yesterday that you see people that are literally not able to afford food with inflation but they go buy the new iphone and you know how that's done look i just bought a new iphone 13 my older phone my xs or whatever is not broken but before i started the show i wanted the iphone 13 because it had a better camera that's what i actually used to stream on here is the iphone 13 it looks better than my high-end webcam and i wanted the ability to film videos for this show and take good photos out in public yes i know the consequences of carrying around my smartphone i don't bring it with me at all times but if i want a camera in my pocket i go with the iphone on this so how do you get it if you don't have $1,300 $1,300 to buy the iPhone 13. How are you going to get the AR VR headset? That's going to cost $2,000. Well, they're going to sell them through the service providers like AT&T or Verizon, and they're going to give you a monthly plan. So if you go get the iPhone 13 right now and you don't want to lay out $1,300 or something for the max model, they're going to put you on a 24 or 36-month payment plan and tell you that it's only $45 a month. They'll do the same thing with the headsets. They'll say Apple's only going to release them every few years. You can just pay Forty, fifty dollars a month over three years, and that's how you're gonna pay it off. Okay. They're already introducing this payment system, these monthly plans across all the websites. That's all part of Web3. So now you can go on whatever, I don't know, Macy's, Amazon, anything you want, and they'll say, do you want to break this up over three payments, six payments, 12 payments? That is how they're introducing people to buying things they cannot afford over these payment plans, all right? So it's not like someone's got to drop $2,000 on the table to buy this thing. So the adoption of this will run uh, far and wide, ladies and gentlemen. Let me just finish this section. It says the headset will focus on VR with some limited AR capabilities, but Apple has deeper augmented reality ambitions. After the VR... AR headset. Apple is expected to come out with a set of augmented reality glasses that will look similar to standard glasses, but with AR capabilities. I explained to you this before. That's You're walking down the street, looking at the real street, but you can see pop-ups. They call them like these informational data packets will pop up. So let's say you want to overlay Google Maps on the real world that you're seeing. That will be augmented reality goes on to say, Apple in May demonstrated AR VR headset to Apple board members, suggesting the device is in an advanced stage of development, which means it is getting closer to launch. It is still expected to come out in 2023. Now, There's a lot more to this article. It goes on to the AR, VR headset. It goes into the design. It goes into the display, the cameras, the control methods, iris scanning, as I told you about, processors, naming, reality OS operating system, Wi-Fi 6E, development troubles, development history, pricing, release date. It gets into the Apple glasses. They go through this entire thing. I mean, I may end up dedicating a whole show to this because in my opinion this is my opinion this is going to be the introduction to the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet this will be the rollout of the n cubed darpa brain initiative uh product uh, eventually leading to some sort of a brain chip but i think what what's happening now based on what we've covered on the show and based on other information that i've been reading about is they don't necessarily think that they can get away with pushing the invasive surgery, the Elon Musk Neuralink brain chip. So they're gonna come out with these VRAR headsets, get people used to that. And then they're going to offer the next version naturally, which will just have the helmet piece that is stimulating your brain. And we'll listen to uh, James Giordano talk about this in his lecture, which builds on the series from Dr. Charles Morgan III that I did, as well as the cyborg soldier stuff with Dr. Peter Emanuel and Dr. Diane Deulius. Now, there's a second part to that we're going to get into soon as well, but we always have to jump between what's happening in the consumer world versus what's happening in the military world because the military is developing the technologies that end up getting introduced through Elon Musk. Through through Apple, through Facebook, etc. okay? Those guys run the adoption campaigns. Now, you say to yourself, okay, so this will be the access point to the metaverse. Call it Web3, call it metaverse. It is the cyber world. And remember, fourth industrial revolution is the merger of the physical, the biological, and the digital. So the metaverse is the digital world, the cyber world, the second life, right? Biological is inside our bodies." inside of nature, leaves, plants, animals. That's what they're trying to access. And then the physical is the world we walk around in. And so this is the merger of everything. And I've explained to you why I believe they're trying to drive people into the metaverse eventually they want you in a 400 square foot closet a pod apartment sitting there with the vr headset on entering the metaverse where you will go to quote-unquote work where your brain power is going to generate crypto tokens for you to spend either inside the metaverse or to have supplies delivered to your pod apartment by the uh, technocracy's largest distribution platform amazon all right so this is where it's going and then Either you'll be turned into some zombified DNA storage device to power the big data that's needed to run the AI system, or you'll be turned into some sort of a battery, or maybe you're just going to be some air filter for these folks to breathe in oxygen or breathe out carbon dioxide. I don't know exactly where it's going yet, but you can see the setup for this. And then over the last few episodes, we introduced psychedelics, basically, the, the ongoing... MK Ultra Mind Control Program. So you're seeing psychedelics coupled with the AR-VR. I showed you that inside the military, inside the Veterans Administration, inside the universities. They're testing ketamine and other psychedelics on children now. And so you take that, and now you're going to start to see the rollout of these high-end AR-VR headsets that not only are they going to get you to wear them and walk around with them on, they're going to get you to pay for them with a payment plan. Now, Let me just show you something, because as we move through this bridge, right? This is a bridge. This is the fourth industrial revolution, the bridge from the third industrial era to the fourth industrial era. So as we're moving across this bridge, there is going to be a time period in which they have to keep people alive for whatever reason until they don't need us anymore, until we're replaced by robots, we're replaced by AI, whatever that may be. So let's go over to our old friend now, because as you're looking at the technology coming out of Apple, the stuff coming out of Facebook, the stuff coming out of Google and these other companies, let's go back to everyone's favorite villain. This is why this is very good to look at this and put this into context. What did Yuval Noah Harari say? What did he say about this stuff? This is a video I'm going to give credit on YouTube. This is edited together by Joe Biden Archive. That's the channel. Uh, but this is good. This is a great little uh, chop-up video that I didn't have to do myself. So let's just play this and listen to the words of Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher, to Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, and the Fourth Industrial Reich
3: question maybe in economics and politics of the coming decades will be what to do with all these useless people. The problem is more uh, boredom and how, what to do with them and how will they find some sense of meaning in life when they are basically meaningless, worthless. My best guess at present is a combination of drugs and computer games.
1: Okay, so Yuval Noah Harari says, what are we going to do with all these useless freaking idiots? What are we going to do with all these people that we strip them of their jobs because they're replaced by AI and robots? What do we do with these people? Now, he's not going to say there, let's jab them and kill them all. Let's uh, roll out some slow roll cancer on these people. Let's stick them with a stem cell shot like Dr. Charles Morgan third said they could do. So he is saying right there, well, they're going to be bored, these idiots. So we'll give them maybe universal basic income that Andrew Yang uh, offered to people when he ran for president, being backed by Elon Musk, who supports UBI, universal basic income let's give them that and so this guy Yuval Noah Harari is saying right here let's give them drugs and video games well let me ask you this what is the ultimate video game strapping on an AR VR headset and living inside the metaverse what are the drugs they're the psychedelics folks that they're going to be rolling out over the next year or two, giving them to everyone that they deem to have mental illness. And if we look at the numbers that they're presenting, they're getting close to saying that over 50% of adults have some form of mental illness. So if you're stuck in the Rockefeller Medical System, stuck in the Rockefeller Medical Complex Insurance System, then you are going to be offered psychedelics. They're going to drug you up and shove you into the eternal metaverse into an eternal video game. Let's continue with this.
3: As a solution for more... It's already happening. Uh, in, 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 in Under different titles, different headings, you see more and more people spending more and more time or uh, solving their inner problems with uh, drugs and computer games, both legal drugs and illegal drugs. You look at Japan
1: both legal drugs and illegal drugs, right? So he's talking, you know what illegal drugs are, but legal drugs, pharmaceuticals. Well, now something that you would deem to be an illegal drug, let's say psychedelics, are going to be legalized. I'm telling you, it's not going to just be a pharmaceutical prescription to cure mental illness. They are going to roll the psychedelics out into the government pot shops, and every pothead you know now is going to be able to get the psychedelics. Again, as a libertarian, I don't really care. I really don't care if you want to smoke, snort, you know, shoot up, whatever the hell you want to do. I'm warning you that this stuff coming from the government is not going to be whatever kind of drugs you thought you had. This stuff is for mind control purposes, and they're going to couple it with the ARVR access point to their metaverse. All right, let's continue. If
3: you look at Japan today. And Japan is maybe 20 years ahead of the world in, in everything. And you see all these new social phenomenon of, of people having relationships with virtual virtual uh, spouses. And you have people who never leave the house and, and just live through computers.
1: Okay, so he's talking about in Japan how you have people that have virtual spouses. They never leave their home. That's a pod, folks. That's a prison cell. They tested that under COVID land, the high school theater production, where they turned your own house into your prison cell. So he's saying now they have these digital spouses. They don't leave their homes. Folks, this is the plan. You will own nothing. You will be happy. You will sit around and eat crickets. Yuval know Harari is doing all the research for the World Economic Forum, for the leader, Klaus Schwab, to disseminate to the people within that network of the quote-unquote private-public partnership all he's doing is he's presenting what is an annual report that is the real state of the union that is the state of the world when we get back we're going to finish this up folks because this leads to dr james giordano and what the government is doing they are the driving force behind the technology that is going to be adopted in the consumer world ladies and gentlemen i am dustin gold with the dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold
2: War listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Join the discussion at Pain.tv slash Gold. War listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold right here on Pain.tv slash Gold and this is the and Gold standard. All right, folks. So I hope you're seeing the big picture here, right? You're having the psychedelics coming in. The organized, orchestrated rise in mental illness, psychedelics being the solution, coupled with the VR, AR headsets, you're gonna have basically this uh, recreational psychedelic and then the consumer version of the AR headset. You're gonna have the one that comes out of the healthcare industrial complex, right? Those people getting psychedelics for pharmaceutical purposes to cure mental illness, and they'll have a government-issued VR headset. You see how they're getting this pushed out, The adoption campaign will be rolled out across all these different little sectors that's how they do it folks let me continue with this Yuval Noah Harari piece i just want to play the rest of it so i can move on and then show you another piece that we covered before but how it all ties in together let's continue
3: i think once you're superfluous you don't have power uh, again, we are used to the age of the masses of the 19th and 20th century, where we, all, where we, we saw all these successful uh, massive uprisings, revolutions, revolts. So we we got we are used to thinking about the masses as powerful. But this is basically a 19th century a 20th century phenomenon.
1: Okay, so do you see what he's saying there? This was a conversation I just had with someone on Twitter. He's saying... We, okay, he's representing the elites. We used to look at the masses having power, meaning all of us, the 99%, the plebeians out here, the peasants having the power because we could revolt against them. We could rage against the machine. But what he's saying, that's an 18th and 19th century concept that that is no longer the case, right? And that is why, as Legal Man and I discussed yesterday, these world governments, when you take China, when you take Russia, when you take the United States, all gladly will play the boogeyman to each other's respective countries. But why they're actually all united, they're not really enemies. Folks, I just tweeted out an article today that the United States has been giving China its technology to run its uh, supersonic missiles. Okay? So we're not really enemies with China, obviously, if we were afraid of them, that would not be occurring. So they're all on board because they have a common enemy the state the governments have a common enemy it is us but now what the elites are doing is they're sending out their king philosopher Yuval Noah Harari to tell them that we are no longer a threat to them and this clip came before COVID-19 the high school theater production kicked off okay so Yuval was already telling them They're not a threat against us. Well, what happened under COVID land, the high school theater production? It was proven we're not a threat to them. We did nothing to revolt against them. Well, people like me or you maybe said, I'm not going to be jabbed. I'm not going to be tested. I'm not wearing a mask. Okay, we push back in our own lives, but we did not organize some kind of a revolt against them. They're organized. Now, that's not to give us hope. Hope is that maybe we have a chance to revolt Maybe throw a wrench in the gears through something like legal man's jury nullification if we could actually pick up and lead to to take this bull by the horns and lead the charge. If people like you and I don't come together and organize something like this and try it, no one's going to do it, folks. And by the time they get social score into place, it's going to be too late anyway. All right, let's continue.
0: I
3: don't think that the masters, even if they they somehow organize themselves, uh, stand much of a chance. We are not in, in, in Russia of 1917, or in, uh, uh, or in 19th century Europe.
1: If, if the masses, if us get together, he's speaking to us right here. He's saying if we got together and tried to organize against them, that's just not going to work, right? We don't have the power.
3: What we are talking about now is like a second industrial revolution. But the product this time will not be textiles or machines or vehicles or even weapons. The product this time will be humans themselves. We are basically learning to produce bodies and minds. Bodies and minds are going to be the the two main products of the next wave of all these uh, uh, changes.
1: Okay, so he's saying right there, they are producing humans. What have I been focusing on here at this show, folks? Designer babies, synthetic wombs, mind tapping, mind controlling, mind breaking, genetic modification, gene editing, DNA splicing, you know, all these transhumanist technologies. And he's sitting here talking about this, folks, talking about how the mind and the bodies will be the new products of the future.
3: That is is, is is optional. Again, and if you think about it from the viewpoint of the poor, it looks terrible. Because-
1: okay, so imagine. the viewpoint of the poor, it looks terrible. And that's where it goes back to him talking about the quote they opened with That Basically, you're going to have all these useless humans, and they're going to just hook you up to video games and give you drugs. Now, when he said that, do you think he was just talking out of his butt? No, he was not talking out of his butt, folks. He was not talking out of his butt. He knew what was happening. These guys are the ones who drive the ideology and the methodology behind the technologies being developed and being rolled out. And so that's what he's referring to, hooking you up to a VR headset and loading you up with psychedelic drugs. Now, there's another piece here I'm going to play, but I want to show you something that we talked about before because this is actually quite important all right a couple of weeks ago i showed you this article from uh, yahoo news titled china forces bus drivers to wear a motion tracking bracelets okay And this article, just in case you don't remember, it said bus drivers in Beijing have been told to wear wristbands that monitor their emotions according to reports. The new public transport measures have raised privacy concerns among some legal experts who warn of increasingly broad surveillance of citizens in China. The state-run Beijing Public Transport Holding Group claimed the electronic bracelets were necessary to protect public safety, the South China Morning Post reported. Around 1,800 trackers have already been distributed to long-distance bus drivers, according to state-backed Beijing Daily Newspaper. The wristbands are reportedly able to monitor a wearer's vital signs, such as heart rate and blood oxygen level, as well as their sleep stats and overall emotional state. Now, I'm going to end right there because I reviewed the entire article with you before okay but you understand what's going on here now right and and just step away for two seconds from the arvr headsets and the psychedelic drugs and now think about the fact that in china a couple of weeks ago they started making bus drivers there wear bracelets that can read their emotions all right under the guise that they need healthy bus drivers but it says right there they could read their vital signs, such as heart rate and blood oxygen level, as well as their sleep stats and overall emotional state. Now, when you put on the ARVR headset and you're living inside that metaverse, what do you think Apple's ARVR headset is also doing? It has 12 cameras, sensors, skin sensors, uh, thimbles you wear on your fingers. It is doing the same exact thing to you. Now, let's listen to this clip from Yuval Noah Harari speaking in front of Davos at their annual meeting in 2020.
0: Just imagine North Korea in 20 years when everybody has to wear a biometric bracelet which constantly
1: monitors your blood pressure. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on, let me back that up. What did our old buddy Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the Fourth Reich, say two years ago? Two years before the bus driver bracelets rolled out in China. Hold on.
0: Just imagine North Korea in 20 years when everybody has to wear a biometric bracelet which constantly monitors your blood pressure, your heart rate, your brain activity, 24 hours a day
1: so he's saying just imagine north korea in 20 years so at that time that would have been 2040 when everyone is forced to wear a biometric bracelet that could read your vital statistics right folks that could read your heart rate your blood pressure Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So Yuval Noah Harari goes out there and talks about this. Two years later, you're seeing the bracelet being rolled out on test subjects. The bus drivers. Same thing with us picking the union workers to help us advance our cause to fight back against illegal immigration. Same way we would pick the criminals to help us advance jury nullification. They are picking the bus drivers under the guise. Of them having to be, uh, not be angry, not be upset while they're driving a bus. So they're using them as this test case, the adoption scenario, to roll out these biometric bracelets that read their emotions. And there you have Yuval Noah Harari talking about just this. Two years before it's actually rolled out and talking about 20 years in the future in North Korea when every citizen has to wear them. At the same time, never mind carrying around your smartphone, they're talking about rolling out these AR VR headsets, which they can easily push through Apple an adoption campaign. Uh, And through AT&T and Verizon, T-Mobile and such, the ability for people to afford them on payment plans, they could easily run an adoption campaign where that becomes the norm over the next two to three years. Now, you're not just wearing a bracelet at that point, you're wearing a headset that's got all these sensors on it, which will eventually be rolled out as the transcranial electronic stimulation helmet brought to you by Apple. All right, folks, think about that for two seconds, because I'm going to play the rest of this clip from Yuval Noah Harari and show you something I brought up before, but this time I wanted to connect it all together and make this a really big point for you guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold. Standard, I'll be right back right here on TV slash gold.
2: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv
1: Oh! Alright, right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I am Dustin gold with the Dustin gold standard right here on pain.tv slash gold, folks. All right, before I lose my train of thought here, my mind is bouncing in a hundred directions. Let me just play this clip through here of Yuval Noah Harari. Let's listen to what he says.
0: Just imagine North Korea in 20 years, when everybody has to wear a biometric bracelet which constantly monitors your blood pressure, your heart rate, your brain activity, 24 hours a day. You listen to a speech on the radio by the great leader and they know what you actually feel. You can clap your hands and smile, but if you're angry, they know you'll be in the gulag tomorrow morning.
1: Okay, so just let's listen to this one more time. I hate to keep repeating this, folks, but this is highly important. I'm not going to back it up the whole way. Just about halfway back. Just listen one more time. 24 hours a day. You listen to his speech on the radio. You listen to the speech on the radio. Okay, so let's just pretend his vision is 20 years in the future, 2040... Because he's given this speech in 2020. You're listening to a speech on the radio from the great leader, you know, Kim Jong-un's, you know, whatever, son. I don't know who that is. Kim Jong Potato Head or whatever it is. You're listening to that on the radio. You wear a biometric bracelet that's obviously hooked up via Bluetooth or Wi-Fi up to the uh, government. And the government knows how you're actually feeling. Well, forget the bracelet, even though now we know they are using the bracelet on the bus drivers in China, you are going to be wearing a VR AR headset, maybe by that point in 2020, some sort of transcranial electronic stimulation helmet, or at that point, maybe a Neuralink brain chip. But let's just say, let's take the Apple version I just read to you of the AR VR headset, all the stuff that picks up with the sensors and the cameras and the, and the retina scans. They can read your true emotions through your eyes. They know how to sense your fear, your anger, your love through your eyes. So you're giving them these vital statistics to actually read your emotions. And I'll show you this momentarily. Let's continue with this.
0: By the great leader, and they know what you actually feel. You can clap your hands and smile, But if you're angry, they know you'll be in the Gulag tomorrow morning. And if we allow the emergence of such total surveillance regimes, don't think that the rich and powerful in places like Davos will be safe
1: okay and so the reason why here at davos a world economic forum that Yuval Noah harari is talking about this i'm sure many of you have actually watched the full speech of which i won't get into uh right now i have not reviewed it in full on this show because a lot of people have covered this you know whitney webb has covered this allison mcdowell i'm sure many of you have heard it so i don't want to bore you to death with covering the same thing others have but at this point we could probably play the whole speech and pick it apart now and compare and contrast to everything else that we've watched and actually talk about how the vision that he lays out is actually coming true. So Yuval Noah Harari is not warning the peasants. He's giving an annual report to the elites, to the social engineers. So as he's standing there explaining this, and he says, well, if this could happen, you know, it could also happen to us. We could also fall prey to this technology, basically telling them we have to get ahead of it, develop it, own it, control it, and use it against the peasants. All right, because whenever you listen to him, he has complete and total disdain for the peasants. He hates us he says we have no free will i can't do the voice right now because i'm kind of stuffed up Um, we have no free will we have no soul we are hackable animals You know the days of having a spirit are over so he says this time and time again now take what he says before about putting people into video games loading them up with drugs and that's how we're going to deal with the useless class for a while then he talks about putting a bracelet on people to read their emotions so that the all-powerful dystopian government knows what they're doing Now, let me go back to this quickly, because we talked about this before. I mentioned it in passing, and I just want to pull it all together for you. So when you look at the real-world version of what Yuval the Philosopher is saying, and we're talking here, we have the Yahoo News article back up. China putting these wristbands on the bus drivers, the test case. It says the wristbands are reportedly able to monitor a wearer's vital signs, such as heart rate and blood oxygen level, as well as their sleep stats and overall emotional state. Right? And you say to yourself, well, that's just bus drivers in Beijing. Okay? So what? How would they force adoption of something like this on everyone else? Well, we see the AR VR headsets coming. And you say, well, what about the people that aren't going to use the AR VR headsets? Well, the Fitbit can do the same. Well, there are people that won't wear the Fitbit. Okay. The iWatch. Well, there's people that aren't going to use the iWatch. But then we covered this in our Baby Smart Tech series. And I just want to bring it back up to remind you. I'm at OwletCare.com. That's O-W-L-E-T Care.com. And remember, this is the smart sock, folks, all right, that people are putting on their babies. And the reason why I just remembered this, because I don't remember everything I talk about on the shows, but I heard someone talking about it in the grocery store, how they had bought this for their grandchild. And so, when you go over to this website, just check it out. This is the uh, Owlet Dream Sock. It says, monitor what matters most. And this is a little neoprene sock you put on your child. And it attaches up via Bluetooth or through the internet. Uh, I believe this one actually... The sock beams the data over to the docking station where you charge it. That goes up to the cloud, and then the data comes from the cloud back onto your phone via the app. And it says right here, the most in-depth snapshot of baby sleep. The dream sock wraps around your baby's foot comfortably and is the only baby monitor to track heart rate and average oxygen as sleep quality indicators, as well as wakings, movement, and current sleep state. So it says right here, heart rate and average oxygen, okay? And what's it over here that they're tracking on the Chinese? Vital signs such as heart rate and blood oxygen levels, right? And then on your baby... Sleep quality indicators, as well as wakings, movement, and current sleep state. What are they tracking over here on the Chinese guys? Sleep stats and overall emotional state. So you're now giving the state, because the CEO of this company, we showed an interview, young guy, where he said they're collecting all this data. They have the largest database on newborns uh, ever created. So you're giving this company... Access to, in the cloud, any data in the cloud, and and I didn't dig deep into the company. I guarantee it's connected to the government. I mean, it just always is. Has access now to your child's emotions. Their vital statistics would lead to the emotions. Same thing the Chinese are doing. And right here, you have Yuval No Harari in 2020 telling the World Economic Forum, telling the members of Davos that they will have the ability to track everyone's emotions. So instead of the government saying you must wear this wristband, okay, they are pushing it out into the lexicon into the mainstream forcing the adoption through a variety of pro- products we could probably look it up and find 50 products right now so whether it'll be the ar uh, goggles the vr headsets smartphones themselves eye watches fitbits baby socks you know bracelets they're giving to the bus drivers they will force the adoption the ability to read and control your emotions And then you will couple that with the psychedelics that we covered in multiple episodes, and then effectively make Yuval's prediction, basically his uh, blueprint to the elites of plugging everyone into the video games, which will be the metaverse, living in a cyber world is just a giant video game, and giving you drugs, he said, both legal and illegal, So they're going to just make the illegal legal, and they're going to be forcing the psychedelics into you folks. And the reason why we had to go down that path, uh, and I think it's very important because we just connected a lot of pieces together from multiple shows coming out of the last, say, 20 shows, we're then going to move into this video here posted at the Modern War Institute. And never forget Yuval Noah Harari and these world elites, these technocratic transhumanist social engineers have waged war on all of humanity. But we're going to watch this guy next episode. I've been waiting to bring this in. Now it's time to do it. This is Modern War Institute, mwi.usma.edu. It says, MWI video, The Brain is the Battlefield of the Future, Dr. James Giordano. And this video is from 2018. So, years prior to Yuval right there talking about putting the bracelets on everybody and reading their vital statistics and in this video it says Dr. James Giordano speaks to the United States Military Academy cadets and faculty just like Dr. Charles Morgan III about the human brain and the future of war giordano is chief of the neuroethics studies program and scholar in residence in the pellegrino center for clinical bioethics at georgetown university recent history has been substantial advancements in neuroscience and neurotechnology giordano explains these advancements are almost certain to impact the wars are fought in the future in many ways the brain might even become part of the battle space this event was hosted by the modern war in institute and then we're going to watch and analyze this full video dr james giordano also co-authored cyborg soldier 2050 as i said ladies and gentlemen the frankenstein technology is developed inside of the state then it's ushered out through the quote-unquote public-private partnership and it's pushed into the so-called private sector to be turned into consumer products, and the adoption of such forced onto the public. It all connects. I hope you can see it. The rollout of psychedelics through the increase in mental illness, the VR headsets, reading our emotions, hacking our mind, forcing us into the metaverse. Folks, they have declared war on humanity. Now you ask yourself and you say to yourself for a moment, Dustin, there is no hope. No, there is hope. You wouldn't be listening to me if you did not have hope. This is about being gold-pilled here. Not black-pilled to the point where you say, it's all destroyed, there's nothing we can do, we can't fight back. Not white-pilled and saying, well, yes, but there are solutions. Gold-pilled in which we do take action. I tell you, stop talking about dealing with local farmers. Go deal with the local farmers. Stop talking about withdrawing from the Rockefeller Medical Complex and just withdraw. Well, stop talking about all of these things. Now, we have something real, this jury nullification. Could this be a way to try to fight back Against the system. One last shot. Look, many of us four or five years ago, we thought Donald Trump was the last shot. That's why we all went to the mat for him. That's why we went to rallies. That's why we campaigned. Then, so what? We took the red pill and found out things were actually much worse than we had imagined. But I believe this jury nullification, folks, that this is some sort of a glitch in the matrix. It's a crack in the matrix. It's something wrong with their code. This is some sort of a loophole, maybe a real way to fight back. I don't know. I'm going to go down that path here on the Dustin Gold Standard over the next coming weeks. I am going to start to investigate this and really pick legal man's mind and figure out if there's some way we can start to build a coalition and put a test case together. Because... If you want hope, you have to be part of that hope. You have to become part of that solution. You can't just sit around and bark at everyone else to come up with the solution. So it might be time to put your energy, put your creativity, put your skills to work, put your money where your mouth is, as we figure out a place that maybe we can kick off some kind of ground game and see if we could give the state, the technocrats, the transhumanists, a run for their money. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world. Hmm.